0: Welcome to the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Bundesliga. I'm Lewis, the BFG, and with me as always, my longtime friend and colleague, Billy.
1: Hello. This week, we talk about the issue of racism in professional football. We take a look back at match days 28 and 29. And should more young English players follow in Jaden Sancho's footsteps and leave the Premier League for foreign shores?
0: Racism in football. So, sadly... Uh... I mean, racism isn't just in football, but, you know, it's igniting all over the world, especially in the U.S. at the minute. And that's why we felt that we had to definitely take a look at this. Um, and yeah, it still exists, especially in the Italian league. Uh, Balotelli and Lukaku have been the victims there quite often, actually. Um, yeah,
1: and in the Russian league as well.
0: True, true. The Russian League is also, uh, has also also been one of the ones. Um, and actually, you know, we also had it in Germany for the first time since... It's the first time in a long time. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I can't remember the last time it we had a case. But uh, the one with Jordan Taranariga, I apologize if I butchered that name. But um, he was racially abused while Berlin played Schalke in the Dave Beepukas. So... You know, we've had it there as well. And I mean, both clubs said that they would set, they were definitely looking into the issue. But I'm, you know, it's as with many racism issues in football, it's very, uh, or it's not exactly um, transparent as, or the whole process isn't exactly as transparent as I think many fans would like it to be.
1: No, and obviously in England, it's a bit more, been a bit more recent with Raheem Sterling's incident at Chelsea. Uh, And that's, you know, I don't want to essentially have a dig at Chelsea or slag off Chelsea, but they are the one that gets tossed around when people bring up the issue of racism, you know, John Terry, for example. But, you know, it happens everywhere. It happened in Spain in 2014. Uh, Danny Alves. Had a banana thrown at him when Barcelona played right, yeah. Villarreal. Yeah. Picked it yeah. up, ate it, and took the corner.
0: you got to love that, uh, that that panache that he's got, you know, right off the top of his head to just pull something like that. I mean, more power to him. I mean, we also had that high-profile uh, racism incident with uh, with Patrice Evra and um, Luis Suarez as well.
1: Yeah, and he refused to shake his hand in the reverse fixture at Old Trafford that you not yeah. actually won. And there's the infamous celebrating in front of Luis Suarez, you know, jumping about and waving yeah. his hands around in front of him, trying to g up the crowd. And there's been a lot of talk, especially on social media, with you know having a platform to discuss it or call things out. And I don't, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a platform bigger than professional football.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's actually a perfect segue into the most, you know, recent, um, recent incident, or I wouldn't say it's an incident, really, but um, the most recent, the most recent protests where players have used the platform of professional football, and that was just this past match day with um, uh, Hakimi, Sancho, McKinney, and uh, Turam all using, um, or all using their you know, their position as a, fo- as a professional footballer to raise awareness and, um, protest the injustice that happened in the U S with, uh, the murder of George Floyd by a, um, white police officer. And, you know, it's been, I think it was, I think it was great that they used that platform and that they, um, are trying to raise awareness, even though it's not even happening in Germany or it didn't happen in Germany.
1: Yeah. And, you know, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong about it, but I think only Sancho got booked because he removed his shirt it is, it is yeah. a rule you know if you if you take your shirt off you get booked and it's been the rule for for ages but I think officials have to have some common sense when it comes to messages or because you know you see it there'll be a an RIP or a happy Birthday, yeah. or you know, something like that for a loved one or a fan
0: De- definitely um i mean the rule book even so basically a um a berlin um a berlin newspaper also actually took a took a look at you know the exact rule book of the d f b and um because it, this was in reaction to the d f b possibly looking into sanctions right after the match day happened, which i think uh was met with you know a general uproar i mean i certainly would have been extremely pissed if they had if they had even tried to um you know sanction the players for 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 their protests um but in the rule it also says that apparently you can't use um or you shouldn't display any political slogans in in what sense i think justice for george floyd is a political slogan i don't know you could def i mean i guess you could argue that but In general, I think it was good that the DFB also put out a press release saying they weren't going to sanction and, you know, it was a protest. And because it is a protest against racism and discrimination, um, which is what the DFB and the DFL both stand for as well, um, I think is just definitely a good solution to the whole thing.
1: Yeah. And obviously it hit hard for McKinney because he is American. Yeah. That's happening back in his homeland. Taram, Sancho, Hakeem—you know—they're, you know, they are you
0: know they they are players of color. I mean, I say, yeah. I guess they, I guess they all, I, I'm, I'd say they it probably hit home for all of them just because it is the oppression of people of color and is something that, you know, I think is a great injustice in the world today. And you know, it happens in football. It happens everywhere. And, um, I—they just use that. They use their platform to protest it.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to, you know, say me and you are, are both as white as you can get. You know, we don't, we don't have any idea what it's like.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Or
1: targeted because of race. But yeah, having football as, I say football as a community, essentially, coming together, you know, there's been all the pictures of players taking the knee in training, like Roma did it, Liverpool, Chelsea. It's not being ignored, it's not being brushed under the carpet and... Even as far back as last year, Paul Pogba. It was, granted, it wasn't a lot. He was wearing wristbands yeah, yeah. about you know, say no to racism, and he was giving them to the teammates. And
0: yeah, I mean, even um, I, I'd say I'd say even with the uh, like with with the way the protests went, like the ta- the taking the knee as well. I thought was very very nice because it was uh, also like it alluded to the uh, Colin Kaepernick protests. Um, and I mean that there's a there's a big sports figure who literally lost his job and his career due to the fact that he was standing up for oppressed people over the world yeah so the the fact that the play i mean the fact that the players know that background and they know what you know that how much that protest means i think also shows that you know players are definitely more woke than some might give them credit for yeah Um,
1: definitely and with that example it's you know they could be taking a risk in show you know taking a stand against it but there was one thing that did make did make me laugh though on twitter um West Brom put obviously put something new. We stand together, the West Brom family. Uh, and one of their fans, it was like, uh, oh, how disappointing! Please cancel my season ticket. And West Brom replied, "You won't be missed." And I really hope they cancel oh, the season yeah. ticket.
0: I'm pretty. I I saw I saw that on Twitter as well. I'm pretty sure the guy's already the the username already doesn't exist or the account doesn't exist anymore. Um, I'm assuming Twitter probably took that down, but. Also, I wanna wanted, I wanna wanted to touch on this because, you know, with all the ra- with the still existent racism in football, obviously, you know, the governing bodies with FIFA and UEFA they have to take stands on this and UEFA has a very clear guideline. But you know, is the three step process during, you know, incidents during a match? So the so basically stopping the match, if it happens a second time, suspending it, uh and the third time completely abandoning the match, is that really enough? You know, is do we do, do we ha- do we think that uh, you know that'll actually make it through to the fans who, or I say fans in quotation marks, who you know make racist uh, comments, hand gestures, you know the the monkey chants, what have you? Is that enough?
1: I don't. It's not enough. But the only way to properly do it within you know individuals that ruin it for everyone else would be you know to have. People present photo ID with a match ticket so you know who sat where. Because it it, it, it works on Twitter. Manchester Derby at Yeti had this season.
0: Fred yeah, yeah. was
1: uh, racially abused. Like one of the City fans was doing like, monkey gestures and monkey noises at Fred. Yeah. And, you know, the video was posted on Twitter and Twitter found the guy.
0: Yeah, which is great. So it's possible I mean, that, I that's having,
1: good. having photo ID... You know, having to have present photo ID at matches. If you don't have a season ticket, maybe you know yeah. people won't people won't go in for it.
0: It's. I mean, it it is one of those things because you know also because because of a uh, you know the basic data protection which is very big in Europe as well. I think, I mean, I think, or I'd love for the fact, for that, for a photo ID to become more present for match day tickets, to make it easier to identify the individuals, because it's definitely not fans as a whole. But then again, that leads right into the next bit of, do we ban those fans for life or do we, you know, help them out? Uh, Or, I mean, I say help them out in the sense of educating them, basically rehabilitating them so they don't have that racist uh, that the, you know that racist ideology in their heads or um they don't have those racist thoughts because i mean if you ban them for life which you know out of an emotional standpoint you right away want to say you know they if they makes do stuff like that do we want them in football at all like just ban them from stadiums for life we don't want them there but then i guess you're only you you may have gotten rid of them but that doesn't help that person in the sense that they should you know be taught better because no one's born with a racist ideology.
1: No, I think you you have to have some, you have to have, you have to have some punishment for it. Definitely. But the education point is interesting. Like, yeah, because obviously no one's born racist. It's something you pick up from your surroundings and the people around you. Just punishing them. If anything, it might fuel hatred more. Rehabilitation probably is the way to go.
0: But that does also take, you know, a solid amount of willpower by organizers. And, you know, you have to have, a solid amount of money also dedicated to that then
1: yeah and organizations like kick it out you know they they don't get enough funding they don't you know they don't get enough support from official bodies or government bodies it's just a it feels like ticking a box almost which you should yeah
0: i, I mean i guess, I guess that all these back to awareness again then because you know the more people who are aware the more you might get donations and funding yeah but yeah, i mean yeah you i mean you get you i guess i guess that doesn't make sense but then you know money wise one way you could fund this is by increasing sanctions on clubs and on paying the know, money
1: towards organizations that exactly, deal with this exactly. fund. because i mean
0: it, yeah because because the, the sanctions i think i think if i remember correctly it is C- city or chelsea they were fined 50k for about 50 yeah 50,000 pounds for the um for for the racist uh or the ins- uh, instances of racism by their fans but then, you know, a rude hand gesture by a player gets gets that player a two hundred thousand pound fine. You know, where is the where is the common sense in making the fines proportional to the to the actual offence committed?
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, we've spoken about this a lot now. And one last thing before we do move on to the roundup, you know, whatever you know, whoever you support, whether you like football or whether you don't, it's hard to argue that the platform that football gives people. Oh, you've got uh Syria, La Liga, the Premier League all coming back in the next few weeks. And, you know, we're not you know, this isn't going to go away overnight. So if players yes. do feel like they need to display something or say something or show, you know, take a stand, I think it's important for government governing bodies to allow some leniencies in the the letter of the law.
0: Oh, without a shadow of a doubt.
1: Yeah. messages of support for you know millions and millions of people will see that and it might make some people take a look and reevaluate their their values in the way they think
0: yeah I mean I couldn't have put it better myself definitely well now that we've addressed one of the most pressing issues I'd say it is time to go and look at the last two Bundesliga match days which have been very eventful if I might add it is we've had title deciders we've had upsets and you know there's been a lot of uh shuffling around the board uh looking at the table
1: but i think there's only one logical place to start we spoke about it at the end of the last episode the classic, yeah. it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a vintage game it's not going to go down it's one of no. the best ones but it did produce one of the best goals <laughs> in that future. i mean
0: the, the... There's there's a there's an argument about um, if that goal was you know pure class from Kimish or just questionable goalkeeping goalkeeping from Berkey or a combination of the both of the two, you know as a Bayern fan you always want to say yeah Kimish you know what what a freaking <laughs> goal that was like come on that was just pure class but I'm de- I definitely agree with some of the guys who say Berkey should be or there should be questions asked of uh, Roman Berkey in goal.
1: I think. You said it at the end of last week. That's his thing. He's very, very far off his line.
0: Yeah, I mean, even Kimmy said it in interviews afterwards as well, yeah.
1: So, you know, the opportunity's there. And it's, you know, it, he could have been too far off line, but props to Kimi for noticing it. And for, yeah. You know, he couldn't have done it any better.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, you also have to look at the fact that, um, I mean, Hamid said it as well in the in post-match interview. Um, he was saying, yeah, sometimes matches like those are decided by, individual skill and individual class and this might have been one of those matches but I wouldn't I wouldn't attribute it just to individual skill because it wasn't it wasn't as if um you know like it was a 50-50 match that could have gone either way even though the scoreline does suggest that because I felt like Dortmund were very good at Combining or the or have, getting the combinations through the midfield and getting right up to the final third, but then once they made it to the final third, they were harmless.
1: Yeah, well, they had that opportunity where it went through Noya's legs and Burton yeah, cleared off the yeah. line. Yeah, and
0: I—I I mean, but I—I'd argue that that was probably their—that may have been one of their most dangerous plays all game, and if for that to be. For that statement to go down after the match, and that play to be in the first thirty seconds, that should tell you a lot about you know how that match went attacking wise for Dortmund.
1: Yeah, I think the the biggest chance for them, other than that, was uh, the Haaland's chance where, Alphonso Davies came M- out M- of M- nowhere. <laughs> yeah, the the FC Bayern road runner came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I I I cannot get over that tweet or uh, not that tweet the um the post match interview I, d- that is definitely going that one is that is one of the things that will go down in history <laughs> that is that post match interview I think Davies will be looking back on his career in about ten years and that'll be that'll still be one of the defining interviews of his career <laughs> oh my god but yeah I mean you're definitely right. That being said, it wasn't as if Bayern had that many chances either. They were def- they may have been more 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 dangerous than Dortmund, but not by much. I'd say there were definitely a handful of chances also on Bayern's side. So much of the game was also played in the mid- midfield, and you know the dominance there that Bayern have, I think, definitely made it through.
1: Yeah, uh, having players not fully fit and injured still for Dortmund obviously didn't help them. But yeah. You know at the end of the day, buy and won, and you'd have to say title race all but done now.
0: Yeah, I mean, did, even, even, um, I mean, I know like Favre, Lucien Favre, the Dortmund's manager, has, has definitely, you know, in the past been kind of quick to say, you know, yep, title race over, or, you know, we're not making this in this uh place for this year, but. I mean, this even after this post-match conference, he was, uh, or during the post-match, post-match press conference, he was trying to avoid saying that. So basically, he was like, he was basically saying, like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be extremely hard to, you know, make up seven points in six matches, especially with the way Bayern are playing. So, yeah, I guess, I guess you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be wrong in saying that that is definitely, that is definitely the title race.
1: But there is still the top four to sort out, of, you know, the European places, Champions League places, yeah. and yeah. Leipzig sort of slipped up in stage. Oh time. yeah,
0: against yeah, I mean against Berlin. I mean, here's the thing: Berlin, Berlin also had a goalkeeper costing them with a massive, with a massive error. So you could even say that you know Leipzig were almost kind of saved there, that they or they were lucky to even get a draw out of that match because. They definitely didn't play to the standard that many are used to them playing from the last two seasons.
1: what what do you, do you what do you think it was? Was it, you know, mistakes by Leipzig or it's, you know, players it's not the same
0: say. wavelength? It's it's hard to say because, you know, you can't put it on them having Three competitions for the first for many players for the first time because the only competition that's running right now is the Bundesliga. That being said, you could also ask questions: How would this have gone down if they had been playing Champions League and Bundesliga if the season had continued normally? Would that have also gone down the way it did? It's hard to say because they also didn't look against it looked good against Flybook either in their in that home match. Um, no. So it it's 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 hard to put your finger on it because you could you could say maybe it's attributing it to the big pause in the league by the coronavirus. But then again, if you look at Bayern, you know, they don't seem to have even lost a single step after that.
1: Could you put it down to naivety? Because it's it's quite a young squad.
0: Young squad, young coach, possibly. You know, naivety, yes. Um, But then again, also, you have to say that some of these players, they definitely have the experience. And, you know, Timo Werner has been in the Bundesliga since he was 17 and the guy he's been playing five he's played five full seasons of Bundesliga football at this point and he's only 23 most players at 23 don't even have three full seasons so it's it's hard to say so i'd put it down i would i guess i guess i'd give you the benefit i i I'd, I'd give you the point about naivety just because they're a young squad i guess that's that's the best explanation for it
1: so other than those two games, what would your pick for match day 28 be? What would you, the best of the rest game?
0: It's hard to put it, put, it you put your finger on it because Freiburg and Frankfurt, they both advertised German football with a 3-3 draw with Frankfurt fighting back after being 3-1 down to uh, to level it at the in the 82nd minute. Vera Brehm, who didn't look like they were going to do anything but go down helplessly against Gladbach, managed to rescue one point in a 0-0 draw. Not many would have expected that. I would not have put my money on that. And, you know, also Schalke slipping further and further into a hole with that 2-1 loss to Fortuna, and Fortuna making up big, big points and much-needed points when looking ahead at Fortuna's matches in the coming few weeks. They've got three out of the top four teams still to play, and they're on a um, relegation playoff spot. So it's hard to say. I'd probably say... The biggest one, the biggest of the rest of the matches would be Schalke, just because they're a team that went into the season saying their goal was clearly to make Europa League places, and now they're barely. I mean, now they're fighting to stay out of relegation zone. So David, David
1: Wagner can't really catch a break with Schalke, especially, (laughs) especially since the restart. And
0: oh, definitely not.
1: You know, i I watched I watched him a lot when he was manager of Huddersfield whenever yeah. they were on. And Huddersfield, they played some, some good stuff, but they were very flimsy at the back. And it's starting to come through at Schalke.
0: I, I, I a say flimsy at the back is very much what Schalke is at the minute. Flimsy <laughs> at the <laughs> back
1: and a distinct lack of goals.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, they had, they had Guido Borgstaller at the beginning of the season not being able to score in something like 10 games. He was on a serious goal-scoring drought, so, and you, definitely hasn't produ- produced.
1: You know, yeah, you know, couple not being able to score with being poor at the back, and it sounds pretty obvious that they're going to be down there. But no one would have expected them to be down there.
0: I mean, the reason that they're you know not completely down the relegation zone of them and is just because of the of the fir- of their first half of the season because the first half of the season wasn't terrible. I mean, at the minute they still have thirty-seven points, which you know and. It's definitely not great, but the main reason they aren't in a relegation spot at the minute is because of their good first half of the season. And that's right now saving them. But that again also raises the question of why are they so, or why is that, why has there been such a destruction of their form in the recent weeks? And not just, this isn't just after the, after the restart, this is, this is already before the restart.
1: I uh, I don't know whether to put it down to a managerial thing or a or player player issue or a, probably a combination of the two.
0: Yeah, I mean they've had I mean their goalkeeper issue ever since uh, ever since and because I mean Alexander nübel was playing well in the first half of the season and then I would attribute his his uh, his lack of form after the Christmas break. To being, you know, d- down to also some of the pressure that came with the announcement of his free transfer to Bayern München at the end of this season. But then the fact that they can't, that the other goalkeeper um, Schubert has not been able to produce either, and you just have no, you have no consistency in goal. I think that also makes for very many teams then to also lead to be flimsy at the back which, you know, a goalkeeper is such an important position defensively. If you don't have someone who the backline trusts back there, then you've got a problem.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Schalke couldn't catch a break. Uh, match day 29 as well. Yeah.
0: It just keeps on going.
1: It's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a downward spiral and someone's got to take that team and, and pull them out of it. Whether it's going to be McKenny who... Is quite young, or whether it's going to be Wagner who manages to turn something around.
0: But I mean, there've already been talks of um, Mark Wilmotz who coached uh, the um, the Belgian national team, or even Raúl, who is um, who is you know enjoyed a relatively successful stint as manager of Real Madrid's uh, B team, the Real Madrid Castilla, of them taking over if Wagner doesn't start to you know produce some results because. Out of the last ten matches, three to twenty four goals you know you're conceding twenty four goals in in ten matches you're only scoring three you haven't won a single of those ten you've no. lost you've lost more than half of them i think that's unless not
1: unless something horrendous happens like say they drop into an automatic relegation position yeah, I don't think sacking Wagner. Is going to change anything because of how weird the season is. Normal situation, normal circumstances. If you're in this position after 29 games, he's gone, he's gone. And say they bring you Raul for the remainder and you yeah. know maybe fortunes change, but
0: yeah, it's, it's a precarious situation. I mean, and I agree with you wholly on the fact that had it, had this been a normal season, he would have been out a long time or a couple matches ago. But you know, that's the, that's, that should, I guess, I guess for David Wagner in that sense, that's that is the that is a little bit of a benefit in the in these turbulent times. But I also want to touch on some of the other match, matches in on match 29 because this one also definitely had a couple of a couple of big ones. Leverkusen they had to come off a 4-1 loss against Wolfsburg and they didn't look solid, but Kai Havertz makes a difference for them. Yet again, he's a captain at 20 years old,
1: and it's going to be interesting to see. I don't want to speculate too much about you know his future whether he stays or whether he goes, but a captain at 20, one of Leverkusen's best player. You know, can they keep him?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're you're right, and you sent me a statistic. I think it was the youngest player to score. was it 30 or 35 goals?
1: 35 goals uh, in the Bundesliga, the youngest player to reach that mark. Yeah.
0: I mean, they are really just stupid sounding statistics for a 20-year-old player.
1: Um, you, you'd think if he was going to go anywhere, it would be Bayern because...
0: Yes and no, because...
1: History dictates the best players in the league normally go to Bayern.
0: I mean, also the fact that him being a German national team player and Uli Hoeneß did did in in the last 20 years make it a mission to basically create an FC Bayern Deutschland or an FC Bayern Germany where he also wanted the best German national team players also be also playing for Bayern I mean he fits the profile there's no there's no doubt about it and you know with neither Coutinho or James Rodriguez really being able to you know become that that guy or that center attacking center attacking mid that you know feeds Lewandowski and the wingers and creates chances and goals himself he might be the guy to fill that void the only problem being Leverkusen aren't budging on his over 100 million asking price no matter if it no matter what the circumstances are whether it be corona or coronavirus times or not so i I'd, I'd probably put my money on he stays another year and
1: I, I think they're entitled to to want that much after the season he's had, and if he has another season at a similar level, uh, at a similar level, then yeah. maintain that asking price and keep it.
0: Yeah, definitely. But it would. I I don't think it. I don't think it'd kill him. I uh, I don't think it'd kill him to stay another year at Leverkusen either. I mean, you got to just think about the fact he's only twenty. Even if he stays there till he's twenty one, like what is going to what is going to hurt him by doing that? Because He'll be captain. He'll be the leading guy. I mean, he's even shown that he's a proficient striker at this point. I mean, that's where he played. They played him right up top in the number nine position the last couple of games. And he's produced. You know, it's. It, I, I don't think he can do any wrong staying another season.
1: No. And, you know, Bayern Munich are always going to be there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: you know, because at the moment Thomas Muller's producing and it was another emphatic win for
0: <laughs> Jeez, Bayern. Yeah. Fifty-three minutes, five-nil up. Need need we say more? And Lewandowski <laughs> on twenty-nine took, took two steps closer. I I mean we we said this last time already. I'd say it is a very it is almost a utopian dream, or it is it is just it is just utopian to be thinking about the fact that he'll smash the forty-goal record. It's just. You know, that, that record was put up in a time where the offside rule was also different. And, you know, it was a very, it was just a different type of football being played. But he is definitely, like, he is definitely a, I'd put him up there this year. If I mean, obviously, with the coronavirus, this will be very skewed. But I'd definitely put him up there being in the top three for the Ballon d'Or in, uh, at the end of the year when it'll be Ronaldo, Messi, of course, and then Lewandowski. That's, that'd be my top three pick.
1: Yeah and then we can have another front ribbery situation where he has a bitch fit when he doesn't win it.
0: Oh, and I'll be right up there with him because <laughs> I'm not going ga- I'm I, if he if he keeps on if he finishes the season like this and and you've just got to you've got to come to grips with the fact that he's right now on on a tally of 42 goals o- over in all competitions. And Bayern were stopped or the Champions League is stopped and Bayern were, you know, Ready to roll, and they would have definitely, or I'd still bank on the fact that they make it to the semifinals at least. You know, how many goals has he scored there? He'll pre- probably produce a season that, you know, of course, Messi and Ronaldo produce week in, week or year in, year out. But, you know, for one, for another, you know, mere mortal to do, I'd say he definitely have a shot.
1: Yeah, he's been you know, ridiculously impressive months. now for a number of years. And yeah. from one. Uh, talisman in the Bundesliga to another. Uh, Sancho scored his first hat trick in the Bundesliga. He's having a real season. He's having a great season, and you can see where the transfer rumours come from because even at, at the age that he is, you know, it's ridiculous. Not many wingers in the world. Messi, Messi, and Ronaldo excluded. Yeah. There's not many that reach that combined total of goals. It's like 30 goals and assists combined this season.
0: And you're talking, about, you're talking about him doing this in a league that, after the Premier League, arguably is the next strongest league. You know, of course, yeah. there'll be debate whether, whether the La Liga, La Liga or um, Bundesliga are stronger. You know, arguably, he's producing these, these stupid numbers in the second best league in the world. And that is no, that is just not a that is a feat that should not be overlooked.
1: Yeah, and you you know it was it wasn't just Sancho that beat Paderborn. You know, a collector's item. Marcel was it Schmel- Marcel Schmelzer's first goal in seven years or seven seasons?
0: Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. I mean, there, there was a I think there was a meme posted on posted on Instagram which which showed uh you know Schmelzer uh, and then. Another player in the second Bundesliga, Dennis Diekmaier, you know, who's a defender and he's not been known for scoring. I think he scored five goals his whole professional career. And uh, and another player having all scored one goal and then they show a picture of Schalke also having only scored one goal since the Bundesliga restart. And, you know, that's just a depressing statistic. <laughs> for Schalke, anyway.
1: Yeah, it makes for, makes for poor viewing for Schalke. But, you know, if you're a Dortmund fan seeing Marcel at school I can only oh, is he one, is he a one club man?
0: I want to say yes but he's, I would not he's
1: been there remember. as long as I can remember
0: he was put it this way Schmelzer was already playing for Dortmund when Dortmund last won the title and this was almost 10 years ago but Sorry.
1: you know I'm playing mean, at um, that age
0: yeah he yeah, been there definitely. for that
1: long he's a fan it's like a fan favourite like a cult hero almost
0: yeah definitely um, I think we should briefly touch on before we move on to uh, the topic of young English players moving to the Bundesliga or abroad in general. We'll have a look at the last couple matches. Um, Frankfurt making up another couple of big points against Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg being up there, you know, scratching at the top six, maybe even um, points wise. The round six or seventh in Frankfurt, you know, against all odds. Be uh, did make up the three points and they were bit they were badly needed because they're almost slipping into the same or they more or less are in the same position as Schalke at the minute, you know, just above relegation.
1: Yeah, it's weird that you can, as a team like a you can go from, from beating Leverkusen 4 1 1 week to losing mm. to a team in a downward spiral the next, But yeah, yeah. Frankfurt's biggest problem, and correct me if I'm wrong on this because you'll know more about the transfer, you know, the in a transfer workings than I do. Yeah. But not replacing Luka Jovic and even to an extent, Ante rabic
0: Or, and, I mean, I just say the fact that they lost their front three who were basically the reason that they were up. I mean, that that front three scored m- more than 50% of the goals of the whole team last oh, of season. Of course,
1: because they lost Sebastian Haller to West Ham as well, didn't they?
0: Yeah. So, I, you know, n- basically taking that money and not... I'd I'd say I'd say they and here's a this is also going back this is going to a whole nother debate about, you know, how you make and spend money as a club and you know, small club versus big club mentality. You could argue that they should have just they should have invested all the money that they had gotten from those three players into, you know, two very solid strikers and and then you know just say yeah they should have they should have done better with their investing but then again you also have to think about that this is a club that you know for the first time in their in their lives they're looking at you know making over 100 million in one summer just off of transfers so it's a hard one to describe but yeah they definitely were dying or they've definitely been dying this season for a striker Um, of the caliber of one of those three. Just just lastly, before we move on, Berlin Mm -hmm. haven't lost their new coach, Bruno Labbadia, which is astounding considering they were in a downward spiral before coronavirus hit.
1: See, it's probably the case that Schalke probably should have sacked David Wagner before the restart, because if you look at Berlin now, I mean, Obisovic is still scoring, and he's like (laughs) mid-30s. Yeah,
0: yeah. You got a point. You got a point.
1: It's it's an impressive turnaround, really. Like I don't think anyone expected them to keep. Winning.
0: Yeah, I I definitely I didn't have my money on because Labadia has also been a coach who has been sacked from Hamburg twice, and he hasn't done he hasn't done unbelievably well in in um, with clubs. But you know, Berlin maybe it's just the fact that Labadia and the Berlin atmosphere, the surroundings just click, and that makes it happen. Some things
1: are just meant to be, I suppose, then.
0: yep, so Much lastly, like young players,
1: <laughs> exactly, like young players moving, sometimes it sometimes it works for them, and sometimes it doesn't. we won't spend long on this because it's already quite a heavy episode anyway yeah but but two things uh made me want to talk about this. the first one was I saw it I saw a statistic, Jaden Sancho now has as many goals for Dortmund as. Bowden has appearances for Man City, and the other one, which is mad, and the other one is Matty Longstaff, who plays for Newcastle, uh, isn't signing a new deal, or apparently isn't signing a new deal, and Udinese have offered him thirty thousand pounds a week to go over there, and he's on eight hundred and fifty at the moment.
0: I mean, it's I'm I'm just gonna say this right now: the Premier League have been known, or they've been known as the strongest league because there has been a bunch more money in the league due to the TV rights deals that they have secured over the past 10 years. They've ha- Thus, they have more money than any other league in the world to buy the top players and thus can attract all the top players to go there from all around the globe or all over the globe. Thus, for young players, the Premier League becomes extremely unattractive because only, I mean, very few young players even make the you know get get the chan- get there or get their one chance to shine on the big stage and then do it so well that they can consistently produce that week in week out and then make that jump to the professional level but you know when the league as it's been set up in the last few years has made it that much more unattractive for young players to play in i think it's astounding that it's taken this long for younger players to look abroad and see if they might have or might have better chances getting to the professional level else, elsewhere, as many players have done
1: yeah, and there's you know there's a list of players that have moved abroad, you know, obviously Jaden Sancho, Reece Nelson, Adam Martin Nookman, yeah. and Reese Oxford. but there's a, yeah. there's a few that you know for my money probably should look at moving abroad so as much as I want him to stay at United, Angel Gomez is out of contract uh, whenever this season finishes.
0: Yeah, so he yeah. can go
1: for free. Whether a foreign team takes a punt on him, there's rumor of Chelsea, which obviously under Frank Lampard, you know, Mason Mount, Tamori, Abraham, Hudson O'Doy, he's given yeah. young players a chance. But that's the thing, you know, Jaden Sancho, Reese Nelson, and all those players in the Bundesliga, they show that managers want to play. You know, if you're good enough, you're old enough. It's that old. That old saying about the class of 92, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And, you know, Sancho hit the ground running, went straight into the first team. It took Reese Nelson a little bit of time to get going, but seven goals in 27 appearances, I think it was.
0: You also have to think about the fact that Reese Nelson, at some point, he he did, you know, he did have a little bit, a slight dip in form. But those seven goals also came within nine in, within nine matches. So at some point he was having a crazy statistic like uh, Sancho was. So
1: yeah, exactly.
0: It obviously does well.
1: You know that it works the other way. You know on the on the other side of that, Serge Gnabry, formerly of Arsenal, went on loan to West Brom. Made one appearance in a defeat to Chelsea, and Tony Pulis said, "You're not good enough." Fast forward four years, he's. One of Bayern's better players this season. One of Germany's better players. And Tony Pulis is probably sat there kicking himself.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'd hope so at the, at some point because you know, I think to it is a big thing to heavily trash uh, trash a player that publicly. Um, then again, at the time, Gnabli obviously wasn't. Doing the best job, but uh, you know, I guess it just goes to show that it might do well in the end, or it actually might have been, you know, that driving force that made Serge Kanabwe, you know, come up as such a big player in the end. So, you never know, maybe that was a driving force.
1: It'll be an interesting one to look at in the transfer window if we have one, or whenever it may be, and yeah. You know, will Sancho come back? Will he stay? Uh, will Matty Longstaff leave Newcastle, his boyhood club, to go and play in Italy?
0: Yeah,
1: it'll be an interesting one to watch. And that's all from us this week.
0: Yes, thank you very much. We'll be back with another round of the Fifty Plus One podcast next week, where we will definitely be covering this coming match day and. We'll see what other breaking news stories will hit us.